Hello and welcome. I'm Omar Salam and this is the premier episode of the Product Life. Join me as I speak to product management leaders and experts from all over the world, from top tech companies, startups, and esteemed organizations, where we go deep into the world of product management through profound discussions and sharing actionable advice from the brightest minds of the field. Whether you're commuting, hitting the gym, or seeking inspiration from the comfort of your home, the product life is your gateway to sharpening your product management expertise. Today, on the premiere episode of the product life, I'm welcoming a very special guest. He's an inspirational leader and speaker, and he has wide experience uh, on product management. He's leading one of the best product-led tech companies in the Middle East, and this guest is Iwei Eng, the Chief Product Officer of Talabat Delivery Hero Middle East. Welcome, Iwei, and thank you so much for joining us today. Excited to, to be here um, to share a little bit more about my journey here in product, uh, and love to share a little bit about some of the learnings along the way also. Yeah, uh, I'm really happy about this. Um, I've I've got the privilege to work with you for some time, and uh, I know that uh, you're a really inspiring leader and a speaker as well. Uh, but um, I think it's really important, you know, to share the lessons that you've been learning across your journey, and uh, you know how this could be useful for other people. So I would like to start and uh, you know uh, know how did you start in product and how did your career start in this industry? It started in undergrad. So I did my undergrad in industrial engineering, uh, not a very common engineering degree even today, with a focus of what we called human factors at the time. So that was a study of how humans interact with technologies. Um, and it was right around the time when, you know, the topic of web development and mobile development started to become really, really hot, you know, about 10 or 15 years ago. And uh, at that time, I actually really loved this field of user research. Um, and my first job in the world of product development is actually as a UX researcher. And what was interesting was I was a UX researcher for a product that didn't really have uh, a UI. So I was um, a user researcher for a company, IBM, as we know it, and for their database product. So my first foray into this was, you know, basically studying how database administrators would do really long processes like backing up their databases or restoring the databases, which could take hours, if not days. Um, and how what the experience is like and when things go wrong, what's are, what are the tools that they have to actually recover from that situation? And, um, and that really got me to learn about user pains and how technology plays a really significant role in actually making lives of people much easier. You know, so how do you give users more confidence, you know, when they're doing really big jobs like that, that things are actually going well and, you know, they have nothing to sweat about, right? Um, but as I sort of went down this user researcher role and, 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 and practice, um, I started realizing that I loved research, but I loved even more designing solutions and I loved even more driving that and seeing that through the completion. And I was like, yeah, but like, I'm sure there's a role that allows me to do that. And I didn't know what that was uh, until I stumbled upon this role called product management. And remember about 15 years ago, this role really wasn't a thing except for, you know, some very, very big tech companies that had this practice, right? It was around the time that the associate PM role just became popular at Google, um, but not many companies had this concept of a product management role. So, um, I was fortunate enough at the time to, through the new grad hiring process, uh, stumble upon 
the product role at Microsoft. And Microsoft came to the campus and they were recruiting and they, you know, told me about this role called PM. And I was like, ah, this is kind of what I'm looking for. And so, you know, sort of freshly uh, minted with an undergrad degree, um, I flew over to Seattle for a couple of interviews and landed a, a new grad uh, role as a PM. So I spent two and a half years at Microsoft um, building products actually for, I would argue, one of the most opinionated set of users uh, that you can find, which are software developers. So I was a PM for Microsoft's developer division. As you can imagine at the time, uh, Microsoft has a big platform, uh, has a big platform play. You know, Windows Phone was still around and they were launching um, and, and Windows 8 was launching at the time also, and they really wanted to build a platform of apps. And, and we know uh, uh, from you know the Apple Store story back in the days that you know it's really important to have all the apps around, and so my job was to build the ecosystem of developer tools that make it makes it even easier for developers to build their apps. So I had to be put in a PM role, got to be very technical, got to learn you know what it's like building apps and launching apps, and um, so I spent you know about two and a half three years at Microsoft and really got to learn from sort of the best big tech companies, what that was like, you know, being a being a new grad and going through that experience was really quite valuable. Then I um, moved to Singapore uh, after that to work at um, the first startup. So I went from a really big tech company, Microsoft, to a much smaller startup. So I joined a 70 person startup called Trade Gecko, where I was one of the first uh, PMs in, in the company. And uh, what that was that was an amazing experience for was I got to see that, you know, the biggest differences between working in a big company where you have, you know, 100,000 employees, a vast majority of, you know, the, the team in Seattle or people working in, in, in the tech team and engineering teams to um, a small startup of 70 people and having a, a development team of 15 and seeing how building product in that context is so much different. Um, and, uh, as a PM, you also have to operate super differently, right? But I really got to enjoy the, the degrees of freedom I had in a smaller company. I got to then take on more and more and more, almost on a quarterly basis, right? First, I was the PM of the onboarding team. We were a B2B SaaS product. So self-service onboarding was super critical. Um, and then I found, you know, sort of capacity and time to do more things. So I took on the integration team. Um, and then at some point they were like, ah, you seem like you know what you're doing. Um, would you like to take on the growth team and the marketing team? And so I started taking that over and, and learning a lot about sort of growth loops and what it means to use the product to drive growth. Um, and over a period of three years, I, you know, stepped into um, the transition between um, from being an IC product manager to leading a team first indirectly and then you know uh, as as director of product eventually when i left and and having a team of people in product in uh in design sorry in, in product and in data also so that was a really exciting transition uh, i moved then to dubai about 5 years ago and uh, there i was vp of product at property finder when i first moved to dubai um and we got to see through a much more sort of scale up business and how i ran product and over the last three and a half years, I've been at Talabad, and we are Mina's uh, largest food delivery and quick commerce company. Uh, we have today about 480 people in product and engineering. And today I run the product management practice, the design practice, and the data science practice here at Talabad. 
Uh, I would actually add to that that uh, the Talabat is definitely, if not the best, but one of the best uh, tech companies in the Middle East and in the region. And also it's one of the very few, very large uh, tech companies in the Middle East that are actually product led. And uh, I've got the chance to see that firsthanded, you know, for the period of time that I worked with you. And um, yeah, it, it takes it takes um, someone special and special leadership, or whether it's you and the rest of the uh, leaders to be able to apply that and do, uh, apply such transition. Uh, so uh, like from here, I just, you know, want to uh, like recognize that uh, for you. Uh, it was a great experience uh, working on this. And um, it's uh, thank you yeah. so much. Yeah, sure. It's, it's a great overview that you gave us on your uh, career journey. Uh, and there are a couple of points, you know, that I would really uh, like to zoom in into a little bit. Um, like you, you mentioned that, and uh, in, in, in the first couple of years, you you were actually uh, working on different kinds of products that you didn't really know how to 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 manage when you first joined, or you didn't really have an idea. Started by something that is like a backend or something that doesn't have a user interface and going through different kind of things that you're assigned for. So, um, and I actually relate to that because I found myself in that position also a couple of times. I think it helps you a lot being a generalist PM, but like actively and, and, and more actionary, like what did you do to make sure that you are getting up to speed as much as possible with the new scopes that you were uh, starting with, so, given that you didn't really know anything about them before? What's exciting is I've been a PM across all sorts of different products, from database products to developer tools to you know B2B uh, SaaS to uh, being in a real estate portal to food delivery or very consumer products. So I've done the entire spectrum of yeah. different kinds of products. And, and, and people used to ask me like, yeah, but you haven't done consumer before. Are you sure you can? The interesting thing and my biggest learning across all of this is that I think that what product people bring to the table is not necessarily, oh, I've done consumer product for the last 15 years and I should continue doing consumer product for the last 15 years. I actually think what we bring to the table is an ability to combine uh, user needs and really understanding user problems and, and getting to the, the real meat of what the problems are understanding what technologies um, there are that exist that can solve it and in what experience we should solve it in. You know, kind of a, a bit of a no-brainer. We talk about this a lot, but I think that if I look at what's common across all of my different roles is that it never deviated from like really having to understand the business goals, really having to really understand the consumer goals and, and the user goals and figuring out a product experience that really moved both of those two things forward, right? So given that, uh, you know, when I when I when I onboard and I start a new role, you know, whether it's in food delivery or whether it's in you know real estate, the what I spend a lot of time is I, I I don't look at the product too deeply yet. You know, what I try and dig deeper into is the business. You know, what are the key business goals? Where are we struggling? Where are we winning? What strengths do we need to play to? Um, and once you really kind of understand and can start to shape a bit about where the business is headed, um, that's when you can try and then apply. Uh, the product thinking to figure out what product you should build, what capabilities you should build in order to move those business and user goals forward, right? So I spent also a lot of time with users. Uh, when I first onboarded to Talabad, I made it a point uh, to schedule at least two calls with users every week across all of our different markets, right? Whether, you know, a customer in Egypt, a customer in Kuwait. And uh, I would call them. We were arranged, of course, on Zoom. And uh, I would say, tell me about your last order in Talabad. 
I like to know, like, are you ordering food? Are you ordering groceries? Was it for, you know, lunch at work or was it for a big family party? Um, is it something that you wanted to cook? And the reason why I, I do that is I, I ask very big open-ended questions to really get into the minds and the psyche of our customers. Um, and through that, I get to understand how people make decisions. I get to understand what pain points exist. And I get to understand a little bit about, you know, some of the more basic and fundamental things that we need to improve on in order to make um, the lives of our customers better. So I find that to be one of the most powerful ways that product leaders can onboard and you know get deeper into um, an area, uh, an industry perhaps that they're not as familiar with. Yeah, it's it's great that you also are coming from from a research background and you were able to like you know apply the importance of research and building the organization that you, uh, you're leading. Um, I think especially across the uh, Middle East and uh, usually around startups and so on, especially like you know when very very first stages. Sometimes uh, research is not given the the real you know the true value and the true uh, you know um, focus and support it needs to under really understand you know users and validate assumptions and hypotheses and so on. And I think that research as a discipline is so powerful, yeah. but I think what's even more powerful is if all of us, regardless if you're a product manager, an engineer, or designer took 10% and 20% of those skill sets, put it in your toolkit and use it on a day-to-day. -day. So I don't think that, you know, just because I had a research background, I could do this. I actually, I think one of the more powerful things um, is if PMs and designers actually sort of do this on a day-to-day -to, -day to really build a customer empathy in everything that they do. Yeah, um, I, I actually would also say that that should extend also to engineering teams. Um, like, um, Product, product and tech should always be coupled, you know, together, trying to look into problems and getting closer to users and so on. So it's not only for designers, product managers or researchers, but also engineering teams should be encouraged to do that. Yes, I don't know if you remember this, but um, at some point, especially when I first joined Talabad, I used to have not a rule, but uh, I used to stop people in the hallway and ask them a question. And I said, when yeah. was the last time that you spoke to a customer and the expectation yeah is that you would reply, ah, oh, less than 30 days ago. And I think that should be, you know, across all the different disciplines. I believe that, you know, when people from different disciplines talk to users, they come in with also a different lens, right? A, you empathize with the same users and what they, you know, what, what troubles they have, but perhaps, you know, an engineer is thinking about, ah, what are the performance requirements that we need if, you know, people need a split second decision on, on, on topic X, you know, a designer might be thinking about, ah, okay, like here's how the interaction should be in order to really map to the mental model of how a user thinks about things. So I think as different um, disciplines talk to users, they also get to really, you know, put it in their own lens. Um, and if there's one point of commonality that brings, you know, the entire cross-functional team together, it's really putting yeah. that user at the heart of the decisions that they're making. Yeah, definitely. Especially also, um, like it's definitely important in any scope and any size of company or product, uh, but I remember also that that was uh, really important uh, since Talavat is serving, you know, different countries, different cultures, backgrounds and different geographies. And it was really important to understand, you know, the differences of what users needs and, and, and how operations are working and so on in different uh, countries. Yeah, so... Um, I would like also to touch on another point um, uh, that 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 you explicitly mentioned about uh, when you starting started shifting a little bit more into uh, leadership roles and you were turning from an individual contributor and started like having management uh, you know uh, responsibilities 
uh, and so on. So how was that transition to you and how were you able to prepare yourself and elevate your skill set somehow uh, to start fitting into that track? Yeah, I think um, I stumbled into it to some degree. I think when you're in a startup, um, you know, it's not as structured as if you were to move from an IC track to, in, to a management track in a bigger company. You know, yeah. in Talabad today, for example, we have a very structured way to say, hey, as you become a senior PM, you sort of have options to open up. You can go in the IC track and be a principal, or you can consider a path where you, um, you know, become a lead PM and, and sort of grow in the management track. Um, and in retrospect, if I were in a big company, I think that would have been much better in a sense where I, you know, I think people in big companies get to explore the two a little bit. And, you know, when I worked at Microsoft, people would go in from management track to IC track and back to management track. And there was a lot of sort of ability for you to move quite laterally uh, if you realize that, for example, the management track is not for you and that you you have no sort of downside in, 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 in shifting from an, a management track back to an IC track. Um, in my specific case, I was in a startup. We were very fast growing. And, you know, I was at that point um, somewhat the most experienced PM in the room. And I started sort of exploring the, the you know, the the joy I had in a couple of things. So I I started teaching product also in Singapore. Uh, so when I was working at Trade Gecko, I also started teaching product in General Assembly. Um, and I started finding a love for sort of teaching product, coaching teams. And I realized, you know what? It's very fulfilling and satisfying to see people grow in product. And uh, that propelled me to say, hey, I think I think the the move to becoming a, a, a product leader is, is is might be the right fit for me. Uh, so thankfully, I had the support of my CEO at the time, um, who said, "Look, uh, why don't you you uh, jump into it and uh, see how it goes?" And uh, since then, I've been on this journey on product leadership. I've learned a lot, uh, made many mistakes as I first jumped into people management. It really is a very very different job, um, and uh, and here I am now, um, you know, really firmly in this um, sort of PM management track. What 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 would you say was your biggest mistake or like you know the most spectacular one uh, jumping into uh, management? I think this happens to a lot of people that when they first move as an IC to uh, manage the management track, they've only known how to operate as an IC, right? You know that what you bring to the table is the product decisions that you make. What you bring to the table is that you're able to you know. Um, if you're a designer, design better than everyone else. You 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 know your hard skills, but the transition between oh well, do I just sort of do it for you, or do I coach you through this, or do I, you know, uh, give you full empowerment and you figure it out yourself and make mistakes? I think that balance and figuring out what style of management to apply when, I had no idea how to do, um, right? But um, I think I'm fortunate enough to to have worked with some very forgiving uh, product people in in my uh, early on in my uh, PM journey and my PM leadership mm-hmm. journey, and my first ever direct report actually still uh, is currently working at, at Talabat also. So I, I guess I didn't screw up too badly. So there's a there's a bit of that. Okay, yeah. Apparently that worked out for you. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um. Okay. So so like um. For, for, from what I understand, from what you said, like there was a lot of like mentorship and coaching for how you could develop as, as a better management and, and, and product. Uh, but like, what, what would you say like the main skills or the biggest skills that you have to acquire to go into management a little bit more? Uh, being so first, more specific skills. 
what's not what's non negotiable you have to be a really darn good product person no 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 debate about that right i think too many people believe that oh well if you're a people person and you like people and people like working with you that's foundationally good enough for you to be a people manager i actually think quite the opposite i think the same way that you know um you would never trust uh i don't know a sports coach who's never played the sport before isn't reasonably good at the sport or has a reasonable eye for the sport to teach i would also say that's that's true for people management i think you have to be skilled in your craft um but two you have to really, really find joy in uh, coaching others. You really need to find joy in seeing others succeed. Um, and I would say that's not a given for everyone. That's completely okay. It's completely okay. I think a lot in a lot of times, I feel like a lot of people were forced and accidentally stumble into people management without liking it. Um, but thankfully, now a lot of the bigger, bigger companies have a deep appreciation of ICPMs, especially at the senior levels, contributing and driving some very big topics. I think that's a very viable path for a lot of people also. Um, so anyway, um, I think that uh, you have to be really craft, uh, skilled at your craft. I think you have to have a love and passion for really grooming and coaching people. Um, and maybe the last one is you need to have really deep empathy. Um, you know, we have an org. I have an org now of about 130 people. And that also means, you know, I'm managing different disciplines, different personalities, different levels of seniority, uh, and and when you get to this size, like people going through different phases of life and going through all sorts of different things. Um, so having empathy and really helping people through not just things at work, but, you know, figuring out how work and life come together, I think is a very important skill set. Yeah, I, I, I think the way you explain it, especially about the empathy part, uh, it, it, I think a part of it that you start having a new kind of product that you've never dealt with, which is your product team. That's actually your product now as a product leader and as a product manager, and you're responsible for the way it performs and uh, the outputs it's producing, which is, you know, the physical product that they're working on and also how it's developing, how it's scaling and all of that. So like all the terminologies and, you know, the product development life cycle and all of that could be applied on yet another thing that is different from, um, you know, an actual digital product uh, like we used to. 100%. 100%. And it's the same amount of care that you have to put in, you know, uh, in, in the product decisions that you make, you also have to now do uh, people decisions that you make uh, in, in your role. Amazing. Amazing. And and uh, also picking one of the uh, uh, like main skills that, that you referred to, uh, which is about coaching teams and the higher you start getting in the management track. So you're not just coaching and, and and mentoring other ICs that you're leading, but you start coaching and mentoring other managers that are leading other ICs and managers and so on. So you start coaching coaches somehow. Uh, and that's another level in the growth of your career overall. And how what what, what was your experience with that? And, and how do you manage and grow to be able to do that as well? Yeah, managing senior leaders is a very different ballgame, very different ballgame, right? Um, when you start managing very senior people, you have to expect that whoever you hire is at their A game, that they have to be really, really skilled at what they do, and that you almost need to be there as a way to, um, you need to be present to help them refine their thinking, but you need to fully expect that they can drive and they can think through, you know, big, hairy problems themselves, and they can really own 
uh, large swaths of very ambiguous problems and see them through end to end. Um, and I would say that the biggest transition I, I saw, you know, when I moved from uh, sort of managing ICs to managing managers was you really need to figure out, you know, the default is to give a lot of space for your, your, your managers to operate and for them to make their decisions and whether it's positive or negative or mistakes. Um, but also recognizing that as a, in my case, a CPO of a, of, of a very large business, my job is to make sure that the right decisions are also made uh, to that serves the business and serves our customers. Um, and my job is to spot uh, inconsistencies. My job is to spot uh, misalignments in resource allocation. My job is to help refine thinking um, in my product leaders to be their thought partner if they want someone to spar or spar with. Um, and my job is to really make sure that the work of the entire org becomes super, super well oiled and aligned. Uh, it is a very different job, but fulfilling in a very different way because I get to see, you know, the growth of people who are passionate about people leadership um, and them going through the journey uh, as I went through on my own and realizing that I made some mistakes along the way. I think people management is definitely a journey and and being able to see and coach through you know, a bunch of new uh, or um, even new and seasoned people managers through through this is, uh, has been a really fulfilling experience for me. That's um, yeah. That's that's a great answer, actually. Um, um, and I wanted also to to uh, because you started explaining that you know there is a lot of things that are more business related that you have to balance. You know, budgets and timelines and things like this that you know would guide that. Uh, but I have a very specific uh, like question related to the product craft itself. Like the higher that you get in levels and you get more exposed to budgeting and regulations and uh, you know specific timelines for things that needs to happen for market acquisitions, for example, or things like that. How to make sure that this doesn't like um, um, like impacts the balance between uh, the business objectives, but still doing the craft correctly, like giving um, the right time and resources for research and uh, discovery and design and all of that to end up, uh, you know, with, with, with an actually very good product that achieves the business targets anyways. But, you know, yeah. sometimes, you know, in it's some super organizations. Difficult. It's super yeah. difficult. I mean, myself, I think I spend more time on Excel and PowerPoint than I do on, uh, you know, whatever the new uh, tools are, whether it's Miro or Figma, whatever it is. My team always jokes that I still do, you know, my occasional mockups in Balsamic. I never caught on to all these new tools that are available now. And I'm, I'm completely okay with that because I, I think what I bring to the table is, uh, you know, decision-making, what I bring to the table is really challenging teams on, on the way that they are breaking down problems um, and metrics and making sure we're progressing well. And I think the craft, you know, I think there's an expectation when you get to a level of seniority that you sort it your craft. You know how to do discovery, you know how to look at metrics, you know how to do an MVP, you know how to, you know, work very closely with the commercial teams to think about commercial model, like all of that needs to be more or less squared away, right? Um, and I think uh, where I'm now pushing myself and, and the part of the craft that I'm really growing and trying to grow in and build uh, a stronger muscle in is actually much closer uh, to the commercial side of the business, much closer to the business side of the of things, um, because at the end of the day, you know, uh, when you get to um, more of a management role, your job is to be a business leader first, 
um, to really identify what are the biggest opportunities as a company you should take on before you take on, you know, and think about your function and your 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 role as a functional leader. Yeah, it's um, it's it's obvious that uh, you know, as 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 it's always uh, said, and uh, I think Marty Kagan said that in one of his books, like you actually hire smart people and you should let them do their jobs and they are expected to be able to handle these kind of things related to, to, to the craft. But I also think that from the other side, they have to be of course empowered enough by leadership and by the overall org. Right. And, and here comes the part where, um, you know, being empowered, you know, correlates to being um, in a, in a, in an organization that is product led or at least recognizes the impact of product work and, you know, um, allows for that. And as I said at the beginning, I've, you know, first-handedly, you know, saw how you were achieving that at Talabat when you first joined. And uh, it's no secret that uh, Talabat actually operates on the ground. And there is a lot of operations-driven functions inside of Talabat. And how were you able, like, you know, I know we could speak about this for hours and hours, but like, what were your strategy? What were your mindset when you were trying to shift in whatever timeline, in a year and in, in, in less and in more, trying to shift the whole organization to have this kind of mindset, uh, you know, migrating and, and understanding that product is here for a reason. That's the impact of product and slowly shifting into being product led. I think the most important thing and a lot of mistakes that I see product people and design people making is they have a very theoretical and romantic notion of how products should be built. And when you come into an organization, your organization say, oh, we must now practice dual track agile and now we will do discovery and then now we will do delivery. And no, 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 mm -hmm. we will not discuss timelines. And I feel when when you come in as a leader to an organization that may not be you know, super mature on a product spectrum and you start with that and saying, oh no, we have our product way of doing things. Yeah, I think it actually alienates people. It makes products sound like, you know, arguably divas in, in some cases, right? Yeah. And um, the way that we've done things and turned it around is to say, let's park that aside. Park philosophy and how we should build, uh, park that aside for a second. Let's really understand what the business needs. Let's really understand for our different stakeholders, for the different parts of the business, like what if we believe that product is a multiplier and that's our role, right? We're here to make the lives of our marketing counterparts easier, our logistics counterparts easier, our you know grocery commercial team counterparts easier. What is it that is, is really getting in the way of them delivering both customer and business value? And when you focus on that and focusing on saying, okay, cool, what is the smallest thing that I can do to really show uh, that you know that business value can be achieved? Do that. Right. So don't bother about, you know, the, the way I like to say it is show, don't tell, you know, you don't have to yeah. tell people about all your romantic, you know, books that you love about product instead, mm -hmm. you know, show them that you're able to deliver really good value and everything else should follow. Awesome. Yeah. And, um, you know, showing them and, and you start, you know, by showing them, you start gaining more trust and more, you know, ground, uh, whether in front of leadership in your organization or whether with other stakeholders. And and, and that, I think, is how, like, true empowerment is, uh, is, is, is you know, it's, it's not given to you. You have to work for it and you have to show that you deserve it, whether you're, you know, in individual product teams or as a product or um, as a whole. Uh, there is there is also something that we could 
talk about different product teams here, uh, which you spoke about uh, two times before. And I've actually never heard anyone speak about this perspective before. It's it's really unique uh, that you talked about that, which is building courageous team and, and courage in product management and product leadership um, in general. So um, we definitely need to hear more about that from you. So this all started um, earlier this year when I started digging into what kind of product organization I wanted to build. And I started digging into and, and researching and really thinking about the best product organizations I respect and what is it that I respect about them? How do they operate? And what you realize is that the best product organizations are the ones that can really you know, consistently innovate and try big things and not afraid to fail and are able to jump headfirst you know, into some really big, hairy problems, even when everyone tells you don't do that. Um, and I started asking myself, like, why is it so hard? Like, why is it that, you know, we all know that to be true, right? Like product people who have been in the crap long enough, you know, we've read enough about very successful companies. They're like, yeah, yeah, we, we align to that. We want to build that. But why is it so hard? You know, then I started, in, started enumerating all the different things of why it's so hard. Right. And and the moments in, in a product management manager's life where things feel really hard, you know, when you've an experiment that didn't go well and need to explain to your management team why the experiment didn't go well, you know, or, you know, um, to be able to go to your team and say, hey, guys, like, I think this is a pretty no brainer. Let's not waste time, you know, testing this to the nth degree and let's just go um, to, you know, being able to say, uh, guys, I think that what we're about to do is super short term and we should have the guts to do what's right in the long term. And I think in a PM's role, given that our world is so ambiguous and arguably open-ended when we can build anything as sort of tech people, I think the hardest thing to do is to be able to manage such ambiguous, such ambiguous situations uh, with a level of courage that you say, you know what, I'm going to be able to do this. And um Courage is not about putting on a brave face and saying, let's fight this fight. Quite the opposite. I think courageous teams uh, go deeper and courageous teams actually embrace their vulnerability. The teams that are the most courageous are also the most vulnerable because through vulnerability and when you really bring your whole self to the situation, say, Shit, like, I really don't know if I should be going on this path or, you know, I really don't know if I should do this or that. You, you bring your true self in, into the room and then you will be able to find allies in the room, you know, your team and people around you to be able to crack this together. I think the best teams are the ones where they can truly, you know, share their fears and hopes together and, and, and tackle big problems together. So, you know, I start exploring this concept of um, courage and courageous product organizations and how the underlying theme of, you know, them being vulnerable together um, is a very powerful common thread. Uh, for anyone interested, I, I didn't make a lot of this up myself. You know, Brene Brown's content, uh, whether on Netflix or her book Dare to Lead, covers a lot of this, and it's what really got me get got me started on um, how powerful it would be and how amazing it would be to work in a product organization or a company that truly uh, appreciates and encourages and celebrates courageous decision making, courageous leadership. I think it's uh, still, even even if it was like, you know, uh, mentioned in other resources or other people talked about it, but I think you bring really a fresh perspective to it. And that's why I wanted to ask you about it. But um, I also wanted to ask like with courage, um, 
you were saying being encouraged to take uh, decisions or to try something new or experiment and so on and being vulnerable to that but there has to be also some sort of like you know calculated risk if we're talking about actually applying this kind of courage uh, so there is a lot of like you know um the, the concept of being open to any things and these are things that we could apply as as people but what if we start taking that into the actual product and the actual customer to try to understand more or experiment a little bit more or try new things that may or may not work different line of business you know the, um, different new products and so on how to make sure that we are moving within a calculated risk within a contained you know uh, area of of you know and and that's where and that's way. where a lot of the um you know practices like continuous discovery and dual track agile really start to show its 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 life and its value right you know if you're constantly doing discovery you're constantly learning you're constantly de-risking along the way you don't have a big discovery six weeks to de-risk a project you're just constantly doing it and i think that's you know courageous and courageous teams that can learn together and can build together are also the teams um, that discover together, are the teams that go to customers together, are teams that are constantly experimenting every week to figure out whether they should be building product A or product B. Um, I think that's that's part and parcel of building the product organization that has the courageous DNA also. Definitely. And um, the, the way the way to like actually lead this and push the teams more towards this is having more courageous leaders as well. And I think there are two levels to this, inspired from what you mentioned, I'm not inventing something new, but there is the level of like being courageous on the business level and the leadership level, but also being personally courageous and in front of the teams that you're leading, like admitting that there is something that you don't really know right now, but we should work together to know and uh, or admitting that there is something as a leader that you're not really sure of, but maybe one of your expertise has more experience in that, or they are more close to the customer and they should be, mm. you know, pushed to take these decisions or that you did a mistake or like something didn't work out and so on as, as a person and as a leader in that position, so, not just, you know. I agree. And that's why three words are very interlinked. So we talked about the relationship between courage and vulnerability. I will also then throw in a third word of authenticity and how if you're constantly having to put on a brave face in front of your team day in and day out, it also means that you can't truly be authentic and real in front of your entire team. And I think that one of the most powerful things that a leader can do is to be authentic and real. Uh, one, because the team will appreciate it a lot more. But number two, it's incredibly tiring as a leader to have to play two personas, one in the private world and one, you know, where you have your public persona. So I actually find that as a leader to be authentic and to really bring your whole self and true self to work is just a much easier place to be. And I think that better results will come out of that. That's, that's definitely great and actionable advice, actually very, very specific. Thank you for that. And um, like why one final thing that I would really like to close with, like, with your position now and you know everything that you have achieved and everything also that you have learned and teach to to different teams like uh, what would be a word to your young self just right after landing your first product role i think <clears throat> when i first started my my role in products i felt like i only had one goal which was just to move up the ranks of product as quickly as i could and and 
And I think if I were to do everything in retrospect, um, I would advise myself to say, look, the, the road to your career is very long. And, um, and I mean, you, it's not to say don't be ambitious and don't push yourself hard. Absolutely do that. And I, I, I never stopped doing that. But um, learn to just enjoy the journey along the way. Enjoy the mistakes you make along the way. Enjoy the learnings along the way. Um, because it's much easier to really soak in learnings and, 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 and build that breath when you first start your career um, than later on in your career. Um, and so if I had one advice for myself, if you ever to start all over again, is take the time, really go deep, really learn. You know, if there's uh, analysis to be done, go deep and really, you know, be proud of everything that you do. Um, but go into, do a little bit of design, do a little bit of data, um, talk to your customers a lot, figure out, think about strategy and think about, you know, the three-year horizon, think about the one-year horizon, think about the, the quarterly horizon, really be curious about everything. Um, because it's through curiosity uh, that really sparks the way that you can think and open up uh, all the different possibilities you have, about things that you can build and things that you can jump into in the future. Um, so if I were to give a younger self uh, an advice, is to take your time. Take your time to really focus on, on learning uh, and focus on breadth of experiences that you can have. And maybe also within the same context, like one final piece of advice on how to deal with imposter syndrome since it's a big part of starting in a product job? Yeah, I think it's first recognizing that everyone has it. And when you recognize that everyone has it, um, you can work backwards from that to realize that it's not necessarily um, just about you, that everyone to some degree uh, needs to really build the experience and the and and the repetition to 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 uh, to really fight that a little bit, um, but maybe one word of advice for anyone dealing with imposter syndrome is for before you know first recognizing that everyone goes through it. But number two, use it to do your best work. When I felt imposter syndrome, it pushed me to say, well, then my work better be freaking good, because you know I every presentation that I had, every conversation and 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 decision meeting I had with my CEO. Uh, it had to be really good because, you know, and, and I would leverage the imposter syndrome and fear that I had uh, to make sure that I was just doing really good work. Well, that was the end of it. Thank you so much, Chiwei, uh, for being here on the premiere episode of The Product Life. Um, I'm really privileged that I'm starting this show with you. And uh, I'm so happy that you shared all of these insights, lessons learned from your exceptional uh, career there is a lot for everyone to learn from this and from your experiences and actually turning organizations into truly being product-led thank you so much for being here and for you our viewers thank you so much for tuning in the first and premier episode of the product live please subscribe to the youtube channel and also subscribe on spotify and apple podcasts and follow the product live on instagram and linkedin to get all the updates about the upcoming episodes and please share with us your feedback and what would are the topics that you would like us to discuss in the future and in the upcoming episode again thank you so much i'm your host omar salam and that was the product live